Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of The Bullshit Propaganda. My name is Suvashini Raj, and I am your host. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. The whole premise here is basically to question the ideas and concepts a lot of us have grown up with and accept it as facts, to call it out, have an open discussion, and you know, just call it bullshit. Okay, so we're picking back up on this part two of a two-part episode. If you haven't listened to part one, go check out episode 11, Take It Like a Man, part one with Kane Rogers, who continues with his um, story getting out of his very long-term 12-year abusive relationship with a woman. And now we move on to how he had finally left her, left Melbourne, and went to Brisbane so that he could recuperate, figure things out, and that's where the story picks back up. And he's now, you know, calling his dad and finally reconnecting with his family and finding his support system, finding himself, going to therapy. We also, you know, go into quite a few other things that I think were very enlightening. Kane is a wonderful speaker, very, very... um, well-spoken compared to me, I would say, and very well-read, and he has some really interesting points that he brought up, and I just think, I learned so much, honestly, from this whole thing, and I hope that you guys do the same, so happy listening. And I call up my dad, God bless my dad, man, he was like, hey, you know, my dad, you know, he, he and I are both a little bit on the autism spectrum, we're not like the most like soft emotional people and so right. but he was just so soft and so gentle he's like hey mate you know how you going i just cried my eyes out i was oh, like yeah. dad <laughs> i mean you, you also haven't help. spoken to him in like 10 years no like, no it's crazy no no i hadn't i hadn't I, or my mom yeah and no so that's mad i've been isolated from them uh and yeah. you know she she tried to put me back in touch with him a little bit but it was always this thing of like you can never like actually have a real relationship with him yeah. just to see him every now and then, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we, we'd seen each other off and off, but I'd never had a real heart to heart conversation with him like that. And just, right. yeah. And I just broke down and he was just, that's the thing about like family and your parents and stuff, man. Is like, you can have your ups and downs, but they're always there for you when you need that's them. Very true. And, uh, I mean, unless you're not, unless your family, I mean, the fucking, obviously. Yeah. Like case. unless you're a psychopathic, I don't know. Parent. Yeah. In which case I'm very sorry for you because like that, that having someone there for me to just support me and love me when I felt like I had no one in the world, mm-hmm. when I felt like I was completely alone and no one cared about me, that, man, I would not have been able to get through all this stuff if it wasn't just for my, for my dad just being there. So, yeah. shout out to my Oof. dad. So, yeah, and then uh, basically I just stayed at that Airbnb and Subar. I had, like, the best sleep I had in my entire life because I just, oh. I was just safe. I was, yeah. No one could get me. No one could hurt me. No one could do anything to me. And I was just yeah okay wow and i mean yeah like beyond that i know you you know dated someone else and then like Mm. you're still dealing with your stuff basically and it'll take a while before i think you can yeah get to where you want to get to Mm. is that is that fair to say i think so i think it's just just working through some stuff so i think Mm -hmm. the way i described it is like being in that relationship that toxic relationship was like having cancer and mm. so now that I've cut that tumor out, I've also realized that I have a really sore foot. 
Mm. So, you know what I mean? Like I didn't notice those other things that were going on that actually yeah. led me to get into that relationship to begin with. Right. And so, you, yeah. You were young. Because I never had the time to work on them. And I was young, yeah. you know. And, yeah. But like, I always had this this thing in my face that was mm -hmm. like uh, taking up all of my attention. And so now that that has gone, it's helped me like sort of start to process and, and deal with some of these things that um, were there to begin with. Right. And so, yeah. So like, let's get back into the world of abstracts, I suppose a little bit. Sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, like you kind of mentioned this earlier, but you, you know, how like you're not technically like the most toxic masculinity, like that picture of masculinity that people would think mm. or whatever. But what, like, do you think that's like, I, I mean, you kind of mentioned it, but how much of that do you think affected how long it took you to leave? Like the idea that you needed to be tough, the idea that you needed to whatever your definition of masculinity was like to stick to that. That's a really interesting question because I, I, I grew up having a very, uh, I did not like the concept of masculinity growing up. So mm -hmm. I, I had a, uh, my parents split up when I was younger and I had a stepdad who was probably a little bit more about what you would call a toxic masculinity. He, uh, he was a bit of an alcoholic and, and he was not a pleasant gentleman a lot of the time. And so I, very different to my dad. My dad is a gent very gentle man. I think one of the words you'd use to describe my dad is gentle. My dad's my dad's a, my dad's a sweetheart. And so I, I was never really around a lot of like macho blokey guys, which is really weird for an Australian guy, but I had a very different upbringing. And so mm -hmm. I always thought of masculinity as like bad. It's basically right. those are the guys who hit women and uh, can't read and are mm -hmm. assholes. <laughs> and that's that you know that's not true you know Obviously, masculinity yeah. doesn't mean those things that's the toxic masculinity and so i guess like what my partner was trying to do and i guess she was playing at my at some deep-rooted thing inside of me she was like trying to show me that masculinity can have some different approaches of like hey you know you can be a person who provides and supports for people and you you know mm -hmm. because you're bigger and you know you can physically protect people and like these are some of the good things about sort of being a man and and that i started to sort of connect with that stuff a little bit more but then that's what she would exploit is she'd say like, no, you're a man. It's your job. You know, she'd talk about her, her, her grandfather, who's like, you know, just classic, you know, uh, Chinese Malaysian uncle, you know, had cancer and like never told anyone in the family because he didn't want to show any weakness and stuff like that. Oh. And that's her, that was her metric. Right. And I'm sure right. that like, there's other stuff going on. That's the story that she remembers as a kid. But, um, you know, she's like, real men don't show pain. Real men don't Ooh. do this and don't do that and stuff like that. And so that was how she would, she'd hit me was like, she'd be like, hey, you should be like a man and be strong and that's great. Right. But also like, you're not being a man right now. And right. it's a man's lot in life to just take the punches and just mm. never cry and never show any fear. And so that was a big thing that I've, well, I'm sorry, I'm talking about my own experience here for a sec, but That's okay. I'll, I'll switch back to the abstract in a second. That's um, okay. but, but that is kind of one of the things that I've been trying to work with. And, and my partner who I was just with previously was just the polar opposite of that. She's like, yeah, like I like masculinity. Like I like dudes, like I'm a straight woman. So I'm attracted yeah. to masculinity. That doesn't mean that you can't cry like ever. <laughs> it's yeah. okay. It doesn't mean you can't be like, I had this thing where I, I was afraid of being sick because I didn't want to my partner to see that I was like weak. Weak. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. So, right. So I, I started to become like that sort of thing where I was like, no, I right. can't cry. I can't show you I'm sick. I can't ask for help. I can't talk about my feelings. I just have to be this stoic, 
right. solid rock. You're because right. if I'm not, you'll think I'm weak and feminine and you won't be mm-hmm. attracted to me anymore. Ooh. But that's so interesting because you had this like very polar views, right? Like you started off being masculinity sucks and then you grew with this person and decided that no, no, like I need to be this tough version of myself and be like a man, a manly man or whatever. And yes, do you think like, I know this is something like men have, um, like you're on a double-edged sword on you, like where you feel like you'll look weak if you complain, but then if you had defended yourself when she yep. was physically abusing you, then you would seem aggressive. That is a thing. Yep. Yeah. So were you, were you afraid of that? Like, or did it just never occur to you to sort of fight back or like oh, know, just fold her arm or whatever? Of course. No, it's like you never touch women. That, that is like the, the, the pr- principal thing I've always been raised with is you never put a hand on a woman. Right. So um, your other ideas were changing about masculinity, but that one you like held on to. Yeah, exactly. And, and that will, I mean, that, that it never changed because like, regardless of what happens, I mean, there's still just a physical, a practical reality of just biology, you know, dudes, <laughs> dudes are like just big muscle fucking animals, you know, even a weak sure. guy like me, we just, we just put on muscle real quick. And so mm-hmm. we can hurt people that are smaller than us without really having to try. And so I think like, there's other options other than like, you know, because even just restraining Physical. someone, even so- yeah. holding someone's hands, when you're in that like adrenaline state where like them. someone's hitting you or whatever, yeah, it's so easy to just like have that go a little bit too far and you push someone over and like, yeah. no, just, just walk away. Just walk right. away. If like, you know, if, if, if someone's, I mean, if someone's going to knife or whatever, that's different. But if, some, if a girl's just like hitting you and stuff like that, dude, just, just walk, walk away. away. Yeah. <laughs> just walk away and don't, don't come back. <laughs> I mean, easier said than done, though, isn't it? Because, you know, True. emotions are in play and anger and that's right. all that stuff, especially when like you've something like you've gone through for years and years, there's going to be so much pent up emotion. But I guess for you, of course, like that survival instinct and that Zen sort of logic kicked in at some point and you, you know, didn't lead by emotion. So you could go away instead of fighting back. Well, that's it. That's okay. So that's another interesting one about emotional regulation. So I uh developed to deal with all this stuff that i was going through i developed a lot of coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. so i really started to get into things like buddhism and and meditation and stuff like that and the ability to just focus on my breathing or like just start to separate my emotions from my reactions or whatever in the moment Mm -hmm. and that helped me stay really calm and because what i learned was like if i fought back or if i reacted things would escalate and so i just try like a whole bunch of strategies and just passivity and submission were the things that would get her to stop because what she was ultimately trying to do was hurt me and so if she mm-hmm. felt like she won she would right. stop and so all i had to do was just play the part of like oh i'm so sorry and, da, 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 and then that would be fine yeah. um it's so funny because i keep like drawing parallels to again i can only think about i do remember like women who are in mm-hmm. abusive relationships or like very like male dominant relationships is exactly what they would do so many of them like right. when you get smart enough to realize what's happening you're like okay just let it happen like just yep. play along play possum or whatever and then yep. Yep. move on with your part of your life exactly and get get back to you know doing the dishes or whatever it is you're trying to yeah. do before you start coming at you yeah yeah shit yeah so so that that uh but that's a double-edged sword as well because mm-hmm. i started to lose the ability to feel anything uh, right. i became very emotionally numb and that's mm-hmm. one of the things I've had to start. I, last year was really undoing. Was like my initial reaction whenever I had a strong feeling, like 
hmm, this is bad. Okay, I'll breathe. be calmly and breathe. And, <laughs> and my, part, my partner at the time was like, no, like, get, get angry. angry. Like, raise yeah. your voice. Like, yeah. Just like, be like, just like, oh. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how. I don't know how to just like. Yeah, raise your, been, yeah. It's mm, been suppressed for because, so long that it's hard exactly. for you to break that pattern of behavior because you're not, I guess you weren't like comfortable in being safe yet. Correct. 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 And, and again, that's a, yeah, that's right. And so these are the things I've worked on. So coming back to, to like that masculinity and stuff, I don't know, super, I'm still working that stuff out. I think that yeah. I've come to peace with, I think like really a big thing for me as well that I've noticed is like just simple things. Like one of the things I used to do, do is like be really, uh, uncomfortable or afraid like going into a gym with like mm-hmm. big dudes like working out and stuff right. like that. I'd be like I'd be like oh man my god those guys are like and again I'd have all these stories in my head that were negative like these guys are dumb these guys are stupid they're just like Neanderthals whatever I'm like this enlightened intellectual dude <laughs> that wears glasses and reads like books with people with really long last names but actually <laughs> all it was is just me being scared and intimidated because you know yeah. I was picked on a bit as a kid and but then I realized like these people are just, they're just nice people who are they just are. about their health. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of those gym guys are really sweet and all you have to do is they're ask lovely. and they'll like get out of their way to help you and coach you if they, if you need it, like literally would spend hours and like helping people and shit like that. So yeah, I think it's exactly. also important to talk about that aspect of it. Like just because someone is big or into fitness or whatever, like it takes steroids, whatever you want to do. Um, doesn't mean that they are toxic or they are, you know, these hooligans that we need to stay away from. (laughs) And what I would also say is really interestingly as well, because I think that the reverse is also true. Just because a guy is maybe skinny and pale and wears glasses and stuff like that doesn't mean he's a nice girl, a a nice guy, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think that, I think that I've, a, a lot of my female friends have have been like very, so turned off by like those sort of macho dudes and they've gone for what guys that they think because they look and they appear nicer, but yeah. then they turn out to be mm-hmm. a, a dick in their own way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, don't judge a book by its cover. You know, I think that True. there's a lot more True. going on than just yeah. what we see. Yeah. And I think it's so important to remember that there's masculinity and femininity in whatever gender you identify as. Of course. Like, I mean, yeah, like obviously that's a given and that's obvious, but I think it needs reminding once in a while because you like for example with you you were afraid that if you showed more of a feminine side you would lose the attraction of Mm. the opposite gender but then i guess it's like important to remind ourselves that well i like so from from your perspective would be like well well if my girlfriend or the person i'm interested in had a few masculine qualities would that turn me off or would that yeah make me more impressed or whatever it is like if they were more independent or whatever you you associate Define, with masculinity yeah. right and but like so how do you versa. feel about that how do you feel about that super with dudes like oh, and that uh, mass balance ooh. between masculinity and femininity um i'm not too particular either way i'm i would say i've got quite a good well not good balance but i think i've got a good dose of both <laughs> i wouldn't okay. consider myself a very feminine like girl but also mm. not a very masculine girl like i think i'm somewhere in the middle so I think I would need someone who's in the middle as well. Or yeah, right. because like, I'm not always the best with my emotions. Um, I tend to sometimes re- repress them or I get very emotional, but I don't really express them. 
sure, I think that's sure. a part of the Asian upbringing as well, where we don't really know how to <laughs> express our emotions very well. Yeah. So I would need someone who is both analytical, but also not afraid to talk about their feelings because I'm a fire sign true and through. So I need like a very stable, mm. a logical thinking person, but at the same time, like, let mm. me stay, like, tell me that it's okay to be emotional and show that, show me that. Cause I think it's very important to lead by example. Yeah. Yeah. True. But yeah, that's just a personal preference. So <laughs> I think yeah. that's very, that's going to differ to each and every one. And I think that it's very important because like, so to know yourself for that. Mm-hmm. Just the basic thing all of us want is to feel safe and secure and loved. Yeah. And I think yeah. the difference between healthy people and unhealthy people is just the way that they go about seeking those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I think that was very nicely put for sure. Um, yeah, so moving on to, as a psychologist, I have to talk about therapy, obviously. Go for it. <laughs> um, Big so fan. You, yeah, so yeah, I'm a huge proponent of therapy, obviously. And you went to a therapist, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. How was that? Like, again, you don't have to go into too much detail or anything, but of course, what no, were the quick pros and cons, I guess, that you felt with therapy? Okay. So, um, at the, so after leaving that relationship, the toxic abusive one, I was like, up <laughs> and so i was like i should speak to someone i'd never had any uh, counseling in my whole life which i think i really should have i think if i had had some therapy or some counseling earlier as a teenager i potentially wouldn't have ended up in such a toxic relationship to begin with because mm-hmm. uh yeah so anyway getting into therapy um so i thought therapy was good uh i i, I thought that it was something it was important to talk to someone so what i did was I think the first the first thing was trying to find the right therapist. And right. so there's two factors to consider. So in Australia, the government is pretty cool. We we can we the government actually subsidizes you visiting a mental health professional. That's awesome. So you get what's called it's pretty cool. So you go to your your family doctor, a GP, mm-hmm. and you get put on what's called a mental health plan. And so yeah. you get 10 subsidized sessions with a counselor of your choosing. Yeah. The problem for for me with that is that the only people that are subsidized are people that practice, I'm sure you know about this stuff, but uh, is CBT, cognitive behavioral right. therapy, yeah. which is a particular kind that's shown lots and lots of evidence and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But for me was actually almost, CBT is all about like distancing your thoughts and your behavior and stuff like that. And so starting to separate them. That right. to me, I felt like that was not what I needed because I had done that to the extreme. Mm-hmm. I had pulled apart all of my thoughts and my behavior. I kind of needed something to, bring me back to right. like kind of embody me and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff to be like less cognitive <laughs> yeah and so more I emotions just look, and more emotions and that yeah. sort of stuff and so i just i investigated a bunch of people i've just made a spreadsheet and a lot of therapists will do a thing where you can just sorry it's a very cane rogers approach like make a I, know. I love it though go on i wish i was like that <laughs> hey i did that i did that when i started dating by the way i had a spreadsheet of people and it was pretty cool um <laughs> <laughs> uh so so therapists uh a lot of them offer like a 20 minute like phone call of getting to know you and basically yeah. my only criteria was do i like this person right. does this person do i respect this person do i get along with them and i would mm-hmm. say like look i'm a very difficult patient i'm right. i i think that i'm really smart i'm really arrogant i'm mm-hmm. i'm very difficult to talk to and i have very self-aware repressed emotion well <laughs> You meant Who to does? say, no, I'm not, Sue, but Jesus. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, no, I think it's important to know who you are. It doesn't matter yeah, no, yeah, true. what that is. 
again, not denying anything, far out. Um, so, <laughs> hey, who am I to I just, say no to what you feel that you are? Good save, good save. You don't want to deny my reality. Um, <laughs> and so I just wanted someone that I felt was strong and could push back on me, you know, not mm. someone that would just listen to everything I said. Interesting. Because that kind of goes against what most that therapists first would do. Bloody life. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that's why I, kind of, I felt like I usually. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I felt like I needed someone who's a bit unorthodox. Mm. Um, and so you know, she's still like a, a registered counselor and lots of stuff. Has had a training. She was a bit older and like a little bit sort of maybe had a bit more sort of life experience. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and that first session was life changing because what it did super was it validated my experience. And I yeah, and then I I, I said that I wanted to start dating before i'd never really had like a normal healthy relationship and she was mm -hmm. like yep okay you should do that and so I spoke to her while i was going through that and then we're all okay and then we're all fine but i think the problem was i was like okay thumbs up i'm done with therapy now like i'm good <laughs> right i think a lot of us do that i did that too so right and then i didn't yeah and i've spoken to a, a lot of other people this seems to be a common thing and then i didn't keep speaking to her and i think i really should have kept some regular contact with her once a month mm -hmm. or something like that because yeah i think like it's just very easy it, like what i said before about like friends and family and people around you they give you perspective and i think that maybe mm -hmm. for me the biggest benefit for a counselor is just someone who i can say hey this thing happened is that weird and they're like no that's not weird that's normal i'm like oh okay cool or they can be like yes that's actually weird like don't do that or like <laughs> Don't let that person do that to you. Like, oh, okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> I love so, how you're moving. For people who can't see this, he's moving from like one side of the mic to the other. Like he's doing two voices. <laughs> I'm a natural performer. <laughs> I'm sure all week, ladies. Take your word just. Sorry, it's too much, too much serious shit. I gotta, I gotta be an idiot for a second. <laughs> he's um, here all night. Go on. He's here all night. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was, yeah, I, that was what was very beneficial to me was having someone on the outside. And then, yeah, and so I'm actually this afternoon going to go, <laughs> go speak to, to this person. Um, and yeah, and I think that's just like a, a, a really interesting process for me mm -hmm. personally. Yep. Cool. I mean, I just want to say like, it's really cool. I mean, yeah, I know it's the kind of person that you are, but it's really cool that you figured out what kind of therapy you needed. And I think a lot of people would not have that sort of... I guess, awareness, not just of what kinds of therapy are out there, but of themselves to know what they mm. need it. And just mm. like, despite the shit that you've gone through, despite like, you know, 12 years of your life being taken away from you for with like, um, regular growth, the fact that you still knew that and figure that out and could, you know, make the right decision for yourself, pretty much head on, like, rather than, you know, having a few trial and errors, like most of us do. I think that probably, like, do you think that probably helped your experience hmm. with therapy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, something you mentioned to me, so, like, going away from therapy, obviously. Something you mentioned to mm. me um, when you were talking about this, like, over oh. a month ago, I think. Sorry. Yeah. Can I just say one more thing about therapy? Of course, just yeah. Quickly on that note. So, I think that, I think what you said is, is dead on, and I think that's what, dis that's what makes mental health different from physical health is it from mm -hmm. with physical health when your arm's broken you go to the doctor and they're like right we'll fix this because right. it's really for me i think the difference is it's really easy to not always i mean if you have a complicated disease perhaps but i think Generally. a lot of the time oh damn i think my it's okay that's fine flat. 
uh, a lot of the time with physical health, they can see the problem and so they can fix it. They don't rely on you as much. Whereas with mental health, you have to take control of it. You need yeah. to be, it's because it's about your own subjective experience. Mm -hmm. You need to be in charge of your own recovering your own therapy and so that you can get the help that you need for the problems that you have and i think that's Ooh. really hard for a lot of people absolutely especially because we're so used to the physical aspect of medicine and health and healthcare yeah. that most of us don't experience the mental health aspect of it if we ever do we don't till we're much older and so by then our ideas of how to approach healthcare is very mm. you know based on that like the example of health, physical health care that we don't know how to be present with our own recovery very yeah, absolutely. often. And it's, it's hard. Like, yeah, even with, for me, like no matter how I've been to two therapists so far, um, first one was not right for me and it took me a while to, even though I knew that like it would take me a few tries to get the right one, I still took a while before I went to the second one because I was just like, oh, it didn't work for me the first time. Like I knew it wasn't, because of therapy doesn't work it was just that person but it yeah. still took me a while to you know be like okay now i'm ready to go and i actually mm. had to get quite bad in terms of my own like health my mental mm. health before i went to see someone again and mm. i only did it because it was free the uk is pretty <laughs> good with that too like you, the university gives you um like at least my university gives you free six sessions um if you sign up That's and great. everything and then the government also nhs has um iap services now that um, you can get a pharmacy and six few sessions um, free as well, like which is really good. Um, Shout out to subsidized mental health. Yeah, but the only thing is obviously with a lot of like free healthcare is that you have to wait for a while. <laughs> Usually it's like yeah, a month okay. and a half, two months um, waiting period. And if you're going um, through some, exactly. And if you're like trying to, you know, like you just live life or, you know, you're going through a really tough period. Sometimes you oh, need yeah. more immediate help and not have to wait yeah. a month and a half by then you could either be a lot worse or you could be kind of better and then you don't want to get that help now yeah. so it's it's that a, a topic tough we could spot. talk hours about <laughs> true, true true um yeah so yes um you so going away from therapy um you said something about this when we were talking about this before um was that men to men tend to think of themselves as lone wolves and you obviously mm. had that issue made worse because you were made to go away from your support system like yeah through years but let's talk about like men in general like how how, how do you think that would affect like affects general guys like um when it comes to if they were ever in a relationship as such as yours you know yeah, the idea of like really them being lone wolves yeah well, yeah, like, and I just want to clarify that, like, all these things when you say, like, here's a bunch of people who have penises, so they all act the same. I think that's <laughs> obviously probably, not. Yeah, like, I, I know you're not saying that, you know, no, just, I know. but I just, just want to make, just clarify that I'm saying yeah, that. I think that, like, and culture and all that sort of stuff plays in here as well. But mm -hmm. in general, I think that, yeah, that there is a probably some delicate mix of biology and, uh, and society that sort of tells men that, yeah, they, they they can't show weakness i think it's really strange like from what what i've witnessed with my female friends versus my male friends is that girls uh, can I, I have seen a lot of girls bonding together over like an emotional experience so like if right. someone's upset girls tend to rally around and they protect that person and like mm -hmm. i feel like girls are really good at showing that vulnerability and expressing that like if they break up with someone they're just so good at being like 
I need my people and let me come and help and stuff like that. Yeah. I think the default reaction for a guy is like, okay, I will tell no one about this and I will mm -hmm. not show any weakness to my friends. And what mm -hmm. I'll do is then I'll resort to my maladaptive coping mechanisms. Like I'll go and just like hook up with someone so I can just, yeah, exactly. Right. I'll go yeah. drink a lot. I'll go like have some, you know, random hook up with someone to make me feel like alive for a second and stuff like that. And so yeah. there's these very narrow, uh, narrow windows in which I guess it's societally acceptable for men mm -hmm. to ex show vulnerability. And that's why men to tend to gravitate to a lot of those things. I think that's why, um, you know, I'm sure you've read Esther Perel, um, her, her book, Mending in Captivity. She talks about how that's why sex is so important for men because it's this brief moment of time when they get to be vulnerable right. um, and they get to sort of show their emotions and show their feelings. And I guess if you're walking around feeling all these valid things that mm -hmm. men feel mm -hmm. and you only have these couple of outlets to express that, of course, it's going to be really messed up. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be really, when those things come out, it's going to come out in a strange way. And so, yeah, I think Esther Perel, who I think is just a friggin' genius, uh, she summarized it in that women aren't as complicated as we think and men are much more complicated than we give them credit Ooh. for. That's, that's a, I've never read the book. Sorry. I mean, like, thanks for assuming that I am that well read, but oh, I haven't. <laughs> dude, get around it. It's um, so good. I will. I, I'm How good of, is that line? Yeah, that, no, like I was going to say, oh, that is such an amazing perspective that I never thought about. And like, yeah, like we tend to think that women are much more complicated. Like it's hard to understand a woman, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, but I mean, that's also coming from a male perspective because we girls don't understand guys most of the time or we oversimplify yeah. guys i think um but yeah. because you know we're so different from each other you're right like we when we have emotions we no matter how well we repress them we still talk about them to our girlfriends yeah and, boys, and it's okay yeah, like, and it's like so a bonding different. thing yeah it, that's the thing like and that's like part of the reason i did this like started this podcast like talk about societal norms and that that's part of it like so in society, it's completely acceptable and expected that if you go, yes. you're going through something near female, you're going to go rally around your friends and talk about yes. it or your family or whoever. But for guys, it's completely accepted and expected yeah. that you don't do that shit. And if you do, you are a pussy or whatever. Yep. Yep. And I, and I can see that changing generationally. Like my, so my, my dad actually is does a lot of work with men's mental health that's his mm -hmm. whole thing um which is awesome. and so which shout is really out to cool king's dad <laughs> shout <laughs> out to Derek rogers so yeah men have uh men have a i can't remember the exact number but a far higher suicide rate uh, than women mm -hmm. because of a lot of these things because they don't have the ability to process their own stuff which is yeah they don't have that outlet but i can definitely see a different difference between say my generation and the generation underneath me because i'm freaking mm -hmm. old now um, versus my dad's generation in terms of how they talk about their feelings. You know, mm -hmm. older guys tend to just sort of sit, maybe sit around like in a pub or something. They don't yeah. make eye contact. They don't sort of like express themselves. There's no touching or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like guys my at my age, at least in my sort of subculture, it's much more acceptable. Like I, the guy who sort of set me up in the studio here, Lance, like he's a very emotionally intelligent man. And mm -hmm. he... I'm really lucky that the male friends I have around me are all very okay with their emotions. They're, mm -hmm. you know, then they're, they're still men, they're still masculine, but they've shown me, I'm really glad to have like such good male friends. They've shown me like, you can be a guy and you can talk about your feelings and it's okay. And, awesome. you know, 
yeah. or I think with my close male, you know, those close guys, we've all cried in front of each other. We've oh. all, you know, we've hugged it out, yeah. you know, done that sort of stuff. And it's okay to show vulnerability. And I think that, yeah, I, I really think that the work of people like Esther Perel and, and Brene Brown, obviously, mm-hmm. have done a, exactly who have done a lot of work <laughs> to to make men feel okay about that. You know, okay, so Brene Brown for one second, mm-hmm. um, she had this really really beautiful line in one of her, uh, I can't remember whether it was in the book of one of the talks, but she talked about, uh, you know, she did this talk, you know this presentation on vulnerability and you know that sort of stuff, and she was doing a book signing afterwards and. She saw that there was this sort of older, older dude, maybe in his fifties mm-hmm. or sixties, that was sort of hanging around, looking a bit uncomfortable. Right. Uh, and then you know everyone had sort of gone away and see he came up to her quietly and was like, "Look, mm-hmm. you know, thank you for this stuff. It's really important." And he's like, "But look, I want to tell you something." He's like, "You know, women say all the time that they want men to be more vulnerable and more emotional." Mm-hmm. But he said, "But the second that I show my wife weakness, right. she shuts me down." She's like, my, he said, my wife and my daughters mm-hmm. would much rather see me fall. What was it? Would much rather see me fall off my horse and die right. than see me be wounded on my horse. Because oh. I am their rock. I'm their protector. That's and so he said, sad. just remember that the next time you go and tell men to be vulnerable. And he was like blinking back tears and walked off. And that was a really important moment for her to like understand, like, hang yeah. on, there's, there's a reason why guys aren't showing their feelings and maybe yeah. like... We Maybe must take some of the blame and... too, like as in women. Yeah, that, well, at least it's more complicated than just like men are dumb cavemen and they don't know right, how to show Right, right, yeah. Or yeah, like, yeah, it, it's like a mutually, um, what's the word? Like Re- enforcing, yeah, reinforcing, yeah. Mm. It's like one... Yeah, like you, you maybe men do have some sort of inherent tendency to be less emotional, maybe. We don't know that. That's the other thing, right? Like when culture and society have and like nurture has prevailed for so long this way it's hard to Mm. say where nature would come in like how nature would be if it was left untainted yeah it's very difficult yeah so yeah but it's such an interesting perspective like obviously i think people think about that like if i you know am i holding the guys back from being emotionally vulnerable or whatever but as in from a girl's perspective a woman's perspective but i think it's not thought about enough for sure and that's I'm glad you brought that up because that, that was making me think as well. And it's like really interesting perspective. That's well, that's what I would just, just suggest if there's anyone that's listening to this and is like, why doesn't my, why does my boyfriend hide all, bottle all his feelings up? Yeah. And why does he, you know, when he's feeling bad, why does he just want to sit on the couch and play video games and not look mm-hmm. at me? Mm-hmm. Um, I think very understandably, a lot of women interpret that as like, he's ignoring me. He doesn't like me, but I can at least say from my perspective that I do those things. Like, I think that can, that's a stereotypical Almost in a way, thing. like you want to protect your partner. Yeah. Like from being, from seeing you weak, which you think would make them yes. either upset or turned off from you. Nailed it. So you're either protecting them it. or yourself or both actually. But yeah, exactly. It's, it's, there's layers in that. But I yeah. would just, I would just say like, if, if you, if you want to get a dude to open up, try see what you can do like obviously everyone's different but maybe try see what you can do to make that person feel safe right Mm -hmm. to make them know that you're not gonna run away or yeah yeah, or like just go out and like bang the nearest like more masculine dude Mm -hmm. like that's 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 the feeling (laughs) fear i would always have is like 
if I cry in front of you, you are going to like literally walk down the street, find some hot looking Jack dude and bang him instead because, yeah. you know, you're so turned off by me. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, that's so sad though. Like, and, and I get it though, because I think even I had to address that for myself and I'm still addressing that where, where does this attraction for masculinity come from? Or like the fact that, you know, because I'm a woman or whatever, like the person I'm with needs to be less feminine or whatever. Mm. Like, where does that idea come from? Whether or not that's my preference, whatever, but where does it come yeah. from? Is it, is it inherent within me or is it something I've learned? And I think that's an important question to ask yourself, like people listening For to sure. everyone. Just, yeah, just, just question those things, I think is very important because then one, you know yourself better, but also two, you, maybe you've learned something new and you decide mm. that, the patterns that you were holding before were, you know, completely not your opinions and you could now have like really expanded opinion, like um, experiences and meet different people. I, that I might be better right. for you. I think you're right. I think it all comes down to, to looking inside of yourself and asking those questions. And I would also add to that, that I think that it's possible to, you know, like whatever your sexuality is, whatever your preference is, that's cool. I think it's also okay to like, if you're, if you're a woman and like, I love strong masculine dudes, mm -hmm. that's totally cool. Yeah. I think you can also go, you know, you don't have to be like, oh, well, society is making me be like this. Like, no, it's like, I know a lot of girls who like, if they see like big, strong dudes, they're like, yes, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that's cool. Yeah. That's, I get it. You and do so, you, obviously. Yeah. You do you. But I think we can separate the idea of like attraction and emotional vulnerability i don't think they have to be the same thing at the same time mm -hmm. there yeah. can be a time when we see our partner like so for example at least i'm talking about this from my perspective like i i have to admit like i'm, I'm very attracted to feminine women and i like femininity mm -hmm. and stuff like that but i've tried to get to the point where i can be like okay there are times when i see you in that way and i like you for that thing but then there are times when i can switch that off and just be like okay i need you to support me right now i need right. you to be stronger than me and mm. I need to kind of like cry in your chest <laughs> and, you know, like let it out yeah. and just not see those two things as mutually exclusive. Do you, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, no, exactly. Don't, don't, I think it, either or. Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes you are, you know, attraction is one part of relationship, um, any, any kind of relationship. Exactly. But then beyond that, that is the fact that you've now, you now care for this person. You love this person, mm -hmm. like eventually. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, like think of it outside of a romantic relationship or, a romantic relationship where you've been in there long enough like don't you want a relationship at least i do where attraction is one part of it sure but beyond that this person is a whole complete human being that doesn't exactly. always have to be attractive to me exactly that you nailed it Suda. <laughs> you nailed it that is exactly right yeah I, I mean again something i guess i would never have thought about in those exact words till you brought it up but Again, that's, I think that's why it's so important, again, to have these kind of conversations and to learn off of mm -hmm. each other, to have different opinions and try and find ways that they work together. Mm. Mm. The, okay. These things are so important. Like, so, they are, yeah. Uh, so Esther Perel has a good one, which is the quality of our life is determined by the quality of our relationships. Ooh. And if true, you true, are unlucky, unlucky enough to be attracted to a person of the opposite gender because if you're attracted to the person of the same gender mm -hmm. life is a little bit easier <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Um, is it though? Like, I think that's a whole other conversation to have another day, but. I, look, I'm, I'm parroting, there's a, a, a relationship advice guy who, who's, who he, he's gay named Dan Savage. And he has this, he has this bit where he goes, I don't understand how heterosexual couples work. Like how the hell do you guys actually, like, you guys are like animals. Like what is going on? Like yeah. you're different kind of things. How can you ever? So yeah, I think like if you, if you want to have a relationship with a person who is of a different gender to you and has different dangly bits than you, then I think that. <laughs> understanding the similarities and the difference between the genders and, and the differences between us, I think is really important because the more we can understand each other, the more we can love each other. Ooh, that's me snapping my fingers. <laughs> but I think it's a good place to end this conversation at this moment. Yeah. I think, yeah, we can wrap it up here and just, you know, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having this very good conversation with me. I learned so much and I am so sorry for what you went through and I'm so happy that you are out of it and you are growing from it. And I hope to, you know, continue having wonderful conversations like this with you. Thank you. And again, thank you for, for, for listening to me waffle and, and for saying nice <laughs> things about me. Really appreciate that. And thank you again for all the work you do. You're doing amazing work, Super. Keep it up. Thank you. So yeah, I guess that's, that's us. Bye guys. And um, look forward to our part two at some point. Me too. Bye. As always, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who's been listening so far and to everyone who has given me feedback and constructive criticisms on Instagram. If please keep them coming and um, you can reach me at Subhashini Raj on Instagram for your feedback, for comments, for ideas for future episodes. Or if you just want to say hello. <laughs> Till then, um, please have a wonderful day and night a week. Give us a follow wherever you're listening to this podcast and await new episodes every Monday. Have a good day, night, week, whatever you're doing. And until then, see you on the interwebs. Bye.